In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed are the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now the hour of Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by light of the Holy Spirit, grant us by the same Spirit may be truly wise. Never rejoice in his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, Fallen Terry, St. Natius, St. Cecilia, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Well, good evening. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving retreat as well as Thanksgiving tomorrow, right? A double blessing. So, what I'd like to do tonight is um, I'd like to start off by paraphrasing a biblical passage. Then I'd like to talk about uh, a personal experience uh, for which I'd like to give thanks to God. I think we all have our own personal reasons why we should give thanks to God. Then I'd like to give you an invitation, then we'll move into our litany of thanksgiving for our supernatural gifts. So we're passing from the natural to the supernatural. Okay, so we'll pass from the natural to the supernatural. I gave you about eight natural uh, gifts that we should thank God for. I had 15 written down, but I'd already... I've uh, spoken for about hours, so I thought I'd let the Holy Spirit work on you and allow the Holy Spirit to inspire you all the more because the Holy Spirit is more eloquent than Father Broom. Here is the... I, I like to just paraphrase uh, the biblical passage and then move into the personal anecdote uh, and then a suge- suggestion. Okay, this is the, this is the biblical passage. Okay, a man came to Jesus at night and this man started to talk with Jesus. And Jesus said to this man, unless you be born of water and the Spirit, okay, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And this man, you probably know his name, his name was Nicodemus. And if you've seen The Chosen, there's some pretty good episodes between Jesus and Nicodemus. Fulton Sheen calls him the night man because he's always appearing at the night. So he says, how can I do this? How can I enter into the womb of my mother a second time? And Jesus goes on and he says, you who are a teacher in Israel, you don't understand these things? What will happen if I talk to you about more sublime things? And Jesus goes on to say, unless we be born of water and the Spirit, we cannot enter the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus says, the flesh profits nothing, but it's the spirit that gives life. Uh, I, I did that purposely to show you that what I did was I gave you John chapter 3 and I did it from memory. What do you think? Was it verbatim? Almost, but pretty close. No. Wouldn't it be good if you'd be able to do that? Yeah, but I'm not Protestant. <laughs> You're not a Protestant. Okay, I got you. No? <laughs> uh, but people, people are are shocked the memory of Father Broom. It's true. I have a good memory. Uh, I have a good education. Thanks be to God. But I, I think you underestimate your own capacity. Maybe you won't arrive at the level of a Father Broom, or I can't arrive at an Aquinas or Fulton Sheen. But I think a lot of us could do what I've done if you start to read the Bible more. Okay? You pray the Holy Spirit. And if you're meditating on a daily basis, if you, you're making a holy hour, you're meditating on a daily basis, sooner or later you should be able to do this. Maybe not the way I do it, but more or less. And I'm thankful to God that I was able to do that with you tonight. I mean, was it word for word? No, but you got the essence of what, what I said. So almost any biblical passage in the gospel that you ask me to paraphrase, probably 75% of it, I could do it. Okay? Will I be able to tell you exactly where it is? No, I'm not a Protestant. Okay? Some of them I can, but I will never be able to tell you the full total context of Mark chapter 17, 5 to 10, because there's only 16 chapters in St. Mark, okay? You got that? Okay. All right. Uh, I... I start off with that paraphrase because I like to use that as a jumping board for my talk. But um, I'm going to invite all of you, uh, building upon the natural gifts, thank God. Okay, thank thank God for some special blessing you had in your family. Okay? I could give you a whole hour talk just thanking God for the many blessings I have from my family. And this is one and maybe maybe 10,000. I'm going to say something that may shock you. I did not come from a dysfunctional family. Okay? That's impossible today. No? But I honestly did not come from a dysfunctional family. I came from a good family. And I see... How huge that is today, it's almost impossible to hear someone say that he doesn't have a dysfunctional family. No? But I didn't have that. So I didn't have to go through huge psychological healing when I entered the seminary because I didn't have a lot of wounds to be healed. Just a lot of happy memories for 18 years and different than the Filipina and the, and the, the Latino family. At 18... The nine of us, we all left home at 18. Now that, for the Latinas and the Filipinas, that's shocking, right? Because usually they're in the house until 25 or 30 in the Latino. Whereas in our family, you know, 18, 
18, we've done your part. It's up to you to go to college. And then one became a doctor, another one became a soldier, another one became a priest. And so for, it was just 18 years. And those were 18 good years. Only good memories. So the anecdote, anecdote I'd like to tell is this. And I'm not telling you, the family wasn't perfect, but it wasn't dysfunctional. It was a family that was basically a good family. And a good Catholic family at that, no? Okay, here's the anecdote. Uh, Nine years ago, nine years ago, I got in a plane, and I was in the plane for about 3,000 miles, traveling to the other part of the country. I'm from the East Coast, so I land in an airport. It's called the Logan Airport. If any of you ever flown, that's the airport of Boston. Eh? Then they took the Dartmouth Express from Logan up to White River Junction, okay, which is part of uh, New Hampshire. I made that long trip because I was going to celebrate a silver, I'm sorry, not a silver, a diamond jubilee. Do any of you know what a diamond jubilee is? Okay, good. You're right. It could be either 60 or 75, okay? Usually you think about 75, but very few couples are going to, you know, make it to 75. They'd have to be both probably about 100 years old, no? So it was a, a diamond jubilee that I was celebrating. And after the beautiful mass that I was celebrating, uh, the couple invited me to have a meal with them. And I didn't turn it down. So as I, I was sipping my Merlot. Okay, you know what that is, no? Not Coca-Cola, but Merlot or Cabernet. <laughs> uh, one of them said, you know, we, we, never had, we never had one serious problem in 60 years. Nine children, 39, 39 grandchildren, and being brought up in the wild 60s, hello. And that was my parents. So I, I like to tell that story because that story gives me a lot of joy. That Imagine having being married for 60 years, not one serious problem in 60 years. You probably have a crisis every two years, no? Maybe. Uh, two months, okay, okay. <laughs> and I think, I, I don't remember if, if it were my mom that said that or my dad. I don't, I think it was, could have been either one of them. I think it was my mom and then she looked at my dad. My dad was having a meal and he just, yeah. We didn't have one serious problem in 60 years. How many of you have 39 grandchildren? Okay, maybe Patricia, okay? But that's a big family, isn't it? Usually big family, big, big, big family, big problems too, right? Uh, but the reason behind that is, this is a bridge to my talk, is, and I'm going to say that they're not perfect. And my, my dad died seven years ago. My mom is still living. She's 92. You young whippersnappers, 92. 
is that they always they always put God in the center of their marriage. Now, if you have you've got some married couples here, if you put God in the center of your marriage, it's going to work. And as my mom and dad said, they did, you're not going to have any serious problems. You hear me? But if you if you don't put God in the center, you're going to end up in divorce. Marriage is tough. You're going to end up in divorce. Because you're going to butt heads. The pride, the egotism is going to win over. But if you put God in the center, you're not going to have any big problems because the problems you give to God and God... God turns humongous problems into very small problems. You hear me? So that's uh, that's my sharing. I'd like to share with you that. Now, I want all of you, uh, when you're doing your meditation, thank God, thank thank God for some some memory in your family that gives you a lot of joy. You hear me? Yes, Father. And I could tell you, I could tell you story after story after story. This is the one that just occurred to me when I was finishing Mass that I'd like to recount with you. But I could tell you just a lot. But that's one that's very fresh in my mind. Okay, here's the, uh, here's the activity I'd like to suggest. About a week ago, I was listening to relevant radio and it was in between Patrick Madrid and Patrick O'Connell which you've got interior life and Patrick O'Connell has a program where he interviews priests to give spiritual direction to the people and he said this one of his family gatherings the family members decided before the Thanksgiving meal was either the day before or maybe the morning before they would do this. That every one of them would have written a letter okay, writing a letter of Thanksgiving for something that God has given to you. So say, for example, you're with your extended family and you're 15. But it's going to be anonymous. Okay? Anonymous. So you're not going to write Patricia. Okay? Or Grace. Or Jaime. Or Richard. Okay? Or Jessica. No, it's going to be anonymous. Or, or Rosa. It's going to be anonymous. Uh, write down, okay, write a letter, like a short essay, maybe just a hundred words, in which you're thanking God for something. And, and O'Connell said when they did it, he said even even the, the most hardened of the family members, his eyes welled up with tears and he started to, to, to weep. I heard that a week ago. That really stuck with me. Now, you may not have enough time to do it. 
But I was thinking about this. If you have you have your email and your text messages, you could ask your family members to maybe write down an email and you could maybe print it and then maybe you could be the one to be reading it in the family room before the main meal. I know that I'm throwing this at you. It's only got 24 hours before we're already into Thanksgiving. But uh, maybe you could do that. Hello? Yes, Father. Even if you're a mother with, or mother, father with five or six kids, even if you did it, you know, you and your five or six kids, each one is going to be writing a little letter and then reading that out, even if maybe you got three kids. But say, for example, you have an extended family and you got 15 all together. I think that's beautiful. Very beautiful. You know it cast me into desolation. Thanksgiving is only sitting down and and stuffing your faith with turkey and stuffing your stomach with stuffing. And, uh, you know, pumpkin pie and, you know, putting on five pounds. Hey, this was my Thanksgiving. That causes me desolation. That's sad. Just a day to get fat? Come on. That's, that's sad, Sir Gordita. No? But for a lot of people, that's, that's all it is. And a big turkey meal, and right after that, you know, at, at 2 o'clock, then at 7 o'clock, I'm going to be gorging myself again. And go to bed with a bellyache, huh? And insomnia, for that matter, huh? If that if that's it, all it is, we're pagans. Excuse my English. We're pagans. But we're really, we're not pagans, are we? We're followers of Christ. Amen? Amen. So try to try to supernaturalize this Thanksgiving. And you're probably gonna have some family member that's not that close to God. This is the opportunity to maybe bring one of the family members closer to God. If you're going to have a family meeting, you're going to have someone that's going to be there that is angry, disgruntled, um, bitter, cantankerous, like that word, no? Uh, yes, he's got a chip on his shoulders. Maybe this person you can listen to and maybe you can say a kind word to. Pray the Holy Spirit. I was not at Father Tim Gallagher's conference, but someone told me one of the stories he told. I, I was very busy that weekend uh, but one of the stories he told you can use as a trampoline to bring a family member back to Christ. He said that uh, there was a, a woman from East Europe that came to the United States and he um, 
No, it was a woman, and she went to the church, one of the parishes in the in this country. And she went a couple of times, uh, but no one there, no one there greeted her. Okay, no one greeted her. So after going two or three times, she decided that she was going to leave the Catholic Church and find another church in the country, in a Protestant church. And this was a story, I'd have to ask Father Tim the exact details, but the story is that she was going down the stairs of the church to go out the parking lot, and a woman was coming up from the stairs, and she looked at her, and she gave her a smile. That changed her whole attitude, and she decided to go back to the church, and then she found some friends. She became part of that church community. You hear me? Yes, Father. Now, some of you went to the talk, so you, you, you know the details better than me. What a story. So it was just, it was just a smile that was enough to change her total attitude. And then she came back and she found that hey, there's a lot of really good people in that community. Sometimes it can be something like a little smile or a good gesture a word of kindness that can make can make the difference. And never forget the golden rule. Do to others what you want them to do to you. We all know that. We know what that is. The golden rule. They will, whether or not you're a Catholic Christian, you're a pagan, we all know we want to be treated with kindness. We want to be treated with compassion. We want people to be patient with us. We want people to smile at us. Right, Leonardo? We want people to to accept us for who we are. So I, this could be an opportunity. And maybe you can even share this mini retreat with your people when you're having your meal. Maybe you can make copies of it. The author gives you permission. All right. We give you permission. And you can make copies of it and and go to town. All right, so I'd like to move now into our our litany of thanks. So you, you're you able to compose your own litany of thanksgiving on a natural plane. I gave you about seven or eight suggestions. I'm sure all of you probably wrote down another 25, right? Well, there's 15. At least you wrote in another eight, okay? I I wrote down 15, but I was only get I got through about eight. But uh, what I said was not exhaustive. There are so many gifts that God had given to us on a natural plane. So let's go from the natural to the supernatural. So the gifts we're going to mention tonight are even more important. Okay, the reason why I paraphrased for you John chapter 3, the encounter with Nicodemus, because that's one of the biblical passages that refers to the sacrament of baptism. Okay? I repeat, that's one of the biblical passages that refers to the sacrament of baptism. There are other passages 
Mark 1, Matthew chapter 28, Romans chapter 6. I mean, they could go on and on and on. But that's the key passage that highlights the necessity of baptism to be saved. Jesus says, unless you be born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That's very categorical, isn't it? That's very clear. We want to be saved, baptism... The Catechism of the Catholic Church says it's the door to the church. You want to enter the door of the church. You don't have to go through the chimney. You go through the door of the church. It's through the sacrament of baptism. So my litany of thanks today is going to be related to that biblical passage and to our own baptism and the many graces that flow from the sacrament of baptism. So once we go through this litany, next time you become a mother or you become a godparent or you become a grandmother, you will want your child to be baptized as soon as possible. Three weeks ago, I baptized four little babies a pair of twins, and they were only 11 days old. And two little, two little Filipino babies, they were about, I think, 15 days. They were beautiful. And I know these couple very well, very good friends, so I actually did like private baptism Sunday. And uh, they've heard my preaching, saying, try to get these babies baptized as soon as possible. Not to... Not, not to uh, procrastinate. Did you ever hear the baptism of John the 23rd? Pope John the 23rd was born at home. Okay, he was baptized on the same day. Okay, And then his mother prepared, it was right next to the rectory, so the mother worked, I think, in the rectory. Later on that same night, same day, I think the mother who gave birth on that day prepared spaghetti and meatballs for the priest, No. How about that, no? <laughs> Having a baby born at home, the baptism, then spaghetti meatballs, or maybe lasagna, no? <laughs> they call economizing time, right? <laughs> and we wait until our kids are six months, seven months, eight months, okay? No, los padrina viene de Jalisco, right? In Loma de Caballo, no? No, I mean, uh, if you understand the grace that they come from baptism, you're going to want to have that child baptized as soon as possible. So let's go through the the supernatural graces that come from baptism. So you can start to write down. Number one is by means of an analogy. Okay, what happens here? You're walking down the street after it's been raining for two or three days, and you have a you have a new white dress. Okay, just bought it. Really, very expensive. You didn't buy it at ninety nine cents, but you bought it at something a little more elegant. So you're walking down the street, and this cholo comes by. And he drives and he splashes your white dress with a mud puddle. Are you going to wait 
uh, about three days before wa- washing that dress? Grace, three days or three weeks? You're going to wash that as soon as you get in the house and you're going to be praising that cholo, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're able to practice mercy, huh? How many of us like to live with, walk around with dirty clothes? You guys like that? I don't think any of us like to walk around with dirty clothes, do we? Why should we allow our babies to be walking around with dirty souls? You hear, you hear me? Yes. I'm speaking by means of stories and analogies, as good teachers will do. Stories and analogies. <laughs> you know, me walking around with dirty clothes. It's uncouth, isn't it? No? We want to carry carry around little ones that are interiorly dirty? No. So baptism cleanses us. Our soul becomes as white as the snow. You California, you've never seen any snow. I was brought up and raised with four months of snow every year. And if some of the kids walked on our virgin um, snow after we get angry at them. Didn't want anyone to walk on that snow. So our, our soul becomes as white as the snow. Do you go outside with a with a grape juice or a chocolate or a chocolate milk a mustache? I don't think you do that, would you? No, that'd be ugly, huh? So it cleanses us. of original sin. It cleanses of original sin. Okay, let's move from the the negative to the positive. Once baptized, this would be number two on your list, is you become a son or daughter of God. Wow. It sounds somewhat poetic, but it's not poetic, it's real. As a result of that, recognize your dignity and your destiny. The two Ds, huh? Your dignity, you're a son or daughter of God, your destiny is heaven. It all starts with baptism. Are we natural sons of God or adopted? Okay, we're adopted. Okay, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's only one natural son, and that's Jesus Christ. But we have been adopted, engrafted into the vine. John chapter 15. Okay, then let's move on. So we're, we're sons of God, and this you can apply this to your life right now because you're baptized. What about your relationship to Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ becomes your older brother. Mm -hmm. 
your older brother. So if someone ever asks you, do you have an older brother? You can say, yes I do. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. But it's true. Hello? Yes, Father. Yes, it's true. Jesus Christ, he's your older brother. Aren't you proud of that? And then once they ask you, who's your older brother, Jesus Christ? Then you can go on a two-hour talk, explain who Jesus Christ is, okay? Go on and on and on. Catechize. Then, the Holy Spirit. What is your relationship to the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is your best friend. You know, my friends, we're never, we're really never alone. If you're living in the state of grace, you're really never alone. You're really never alone. Okay, now I'm, I'll, I'll scandalize you a little bit, talking a little bit about classical, classical rock and roll. Okay. Maybe the little kids have to cover their ears, but maybe not, okay? Uh, I have I have some rock and roll artists that I actually really do like. I, I, I really like the way James Taylor sings. You maybe never heard of him, no? And my favorite song is You've Got a Friend. Man, that's a tearjerker. Very suave, just in Spanish. But you know, you can apply that. You've got a friend. You can apply that to Jesus Christ. And then you could even take the Beatles, get a little help from your friends. Do you ever hear the Beatles? Yes. No, oh, I'm from Mexico. Okay. <laughs> Well, if James Taylor can sing a beautiful song in which he says, you've got a friend, and the Beatles can sing it, Jesus Christ, your friend, is going to be a million times better. And rather, the Holy Jesus is your brother, but he's also your friend, but the Holy Spirit is your intimate friend. And if you're living in the state of grace, you can close your eyes, you can talk to him whenever you want. I've never really taught you this too much, but I will as I go teaching, is that God is in heaven, but also God is within your soul. This is the theology of St. Teresa of Avila, the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity through grace. I'll tell you a story. My little sister, when she was about seven, six or seven years old, she was driving her bike and she had been rejected by her little friends. Now, little kids can be mean at times. No, they can be. They can be mean. So she was rejected by her friends. And my mom saw my sister driving up and down the driveway. And my 
My sister, I'm six years older than her. She, she was moving her lips and my mom stopped knowing that she was rejected by her friends and said, Vicki, what are you doing? She said, I'm talking to God within me. That's a good catechist, right? Hey, my mom taught her well, didn't she? Yes. So even though she was rejected by her friends, she recognized that she had God within her. There's no reason why parents cannot teach their children when they're small. My little sister can do it. You're even older than seven or eight, right? There's no reason why we cannot elevate the spiritual level of children to a higher level. Why not? The Holy Spirit can work in us very powerfully. Very powerfully. All of these flow from the sacrament of baptism. So let's put the cream on, let's put the the icing on the cake. Getting ready for tomorrow, right? Is you also, from baptism, you have the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity within your soul. Amen? Amen. So you actually have the the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity in your soul once you're baptized. And you, you can call that to mind every time you make the sign of the cross. So every time you make the sign of the cross, you're calling to mind the Trinity Trinity is not so much in heaven, but it's on earth, it's in your soul, as long as you're living in the state of grace. Amen? Amen. Living in the very depths of your soul, as long as you're living in grace, you've got the Trinity within you. And I'll tell you, the essence of sin is not understanding the idea of the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity in the soul in grace. We really understood the sublime reality of being a living temple of the Blessed Trinity, we would sin very little. But we have a tendency to be oblivious of that, or we forget about it. So every time you make the sign of the cross, so we have a tendency to make it really quickly. Okay? Right? And you go, <laughs> it, might, it might even get in the habit of making the sign of the cross slower and more con- have a more contemplative sign of the cross. Hey. Every time you watch a baseball game and you got a Latino that makes that hits a home run and they make the sign of the cross, don't they? <laughs> you ever watch baseball? <laughs> if he's Latino, right, from Latin America, he makes the sign of the cross, he'll go like this, a quick sign of the cross, he'll look up to heaven. Really, what he's, he's attributing the, the home run to God. Really. Maybe, maybe he's not aware of that, but really, make the sign of the cross. He's pointing to God, thank you for helping me to hit that home run, no? <laughs> so, let's move on. So that's very important. We, we, we want to thank God for our baptism. And thank God that we're not walking around with dirty clothes, right? 
Thank God that we're a son of God. We are a friend of Jesus Christ. We're a, a, a brother to Jesus Christ, a friend of the Holy Spirit. We're a living tabernacle of the Trinity. Okay, let's move down to the list. The baptism, this is a topic I never get tired of talking about it because it's so important, but it's so foundational. If you don't understand this, it's almost as if you're building your Catholic faith on sand rather than on rock. You have to know it all starts with baptism. It all starts with baptism. So, when the priest pours water, grace, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all these things happen. God gives you abundant blessings. He gives you the theological virtues. Now you've heard of those. I think you have. The, theo- the three theological virtues, we taught you those in confirmation. Yeah. Brush off your memory bank. You remember? And they are... Okay, what are those three theological virtues? Madrina. We got a madrina here, right? You should know those. Faith and hope and charity. You got that? <laughs> Write them down. You should know this. Faith and hope and charity. Okay, short definition of these three theological virtues. Faith is believing without seeing. Faith is believing without seeing. If you want a biblical passage, go to John chapter 20, where Jesus says to St. Thomas, St. Thomas who doubted, right? And he says, my Lord and my God, making an act of faith. Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. So faith is an intellectual virtue that is instilled within our mind once we're baptized. And that gives us the ability to believe in a God that we don't see. You're going to meet some people at Thanksgiving meal. are going to say, well, I don't... I can't see God. Well, you say, well, I can't see him either. But I believe that he exists because he he revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ and the Gospels. Okay, the next would be hope. Now, when I say hope, some of you say, well, I hope so. It's better to see no, it's really not a spero que si, I hope so. That's not the same thing. Hope is another theological virtue. And the best way to define hope is trust. You see the divine mercy image? There you have, there you have the best artistic depiction of hope. If you look at that, that's the virtue of hope. So whenever your hope is flagging or disintegrating, you feel, look up at that and say, Jesus, I trust in you. 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 And your hope is going to be returning. Try it. Hope 
It's not a hope so. But rather, it's trust. Now here's where the robber hits the road. It's trust especially when God sends you a trial or cross or tribulation that you don't want. Got that? (laughs) That's where the rubber hits the road, right? So it's often related to certain suffering, trial or tribulation that we have to undergo. And I don't think a lot of us like to suffer, do we? I remember once listening to one of my favorite Protestant preachers, scandalize you again, Adrian Rogers, okay? Uh, I never heard any... Uh, Adrian Rogers is, I'd almost say, equal to Fulton Sheen in eloquence. In his ability to preach, even though he's a Baptist minister, I take a lot of his things and I baptize it as Catholic. <laughs> And one of the things he said in his many, many sermons, he's from where Father Larry was brought up and raised, Memphis, Tennessee, is this. Okay, think about think of the think about the big the biggest problem, the biggest problem or suffering you've ever had in your life. You got it? I'm going back a few years, right? I know what it is. I've got it. I got it here, very clear. I know where, when it was, and how long it lasted. (laughs) We all have those. Some a little bit more excruciating than others. No. You got it. Okay. Okay. Multiply that suffering a hundred times. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Is that a big problem for God? Hello? No. I can't hear you. No. So you got that problem. Multiply it a hundred times. Is that a big problem for God? No. God, God could resolve that problem in one second. Or a split second. Or a hundredth of a second, God could, God could resolve that problem. Do you believe? You had the faith and hope the size of a mustard seed. You know what I'm going to say, right? You could move those mountains. I don't know if I mentioned in, in one of the talks the movie Little Boy. Any of you see the movie Little Boy? Yes. Do you like it? Yes. Did he move the mountain? Yes. Yeah. He moved the mountain. Then he was sitting at the table with the priest with that bottle of wine. Remember? The priest said, move that bottle of wine. And he went going like this. Ah, ah, ah. And then, remember what happened? The priest lifted up the bottle and moved it. And he said, sometimes God uses secondary causes to carry out his will. I love that. Pure Thomas Aquinas. Pure Thomas Aquinas, he can sometimes use secondary causes to do the miracles. Yeah. So, you received the virtue of hope in the moment of baptism. These virtues, they have to be, if you don't use it, you lose it. Ever hear that one? You don't use it, you lose it. 
we have to use these virtues. They're like seeds planted. They have to be cultivated. You know, I was about the age of your sons. I could, I, I could throw the ball, baseball, 85 miles per hour. Pretty fast, no? Now 70 miles with the wind behind me. You know why? I haven't practiced in, in a couple of decades. No? No, I used to be able to throw that, that hardball pretty fast. But with the lack of practice, maybe 69 with the wind behind me. No? So if we don't exercise these virtues that we receive in the moment of baptism, then they become stagnant. They become in a state of inertia and we can put them to sleep. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to ignite these gifts within us. Otherwise they become dormant, stagnant. Okay, the next one, Grace... Are you listening? It is the the virtue of charity. Faith, hope, and charity. What is charity? Charity is supernatural love. You have to define it that way because if you don't say supernatural love, you can confuse that with the Beatles, 1964, She Loves You, Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Remember that one? I remember seeing them on the Ed Sullivan show in 1964 when they came in from Liverpool. Any of you my age? No? Eric, remember that? So we don't want to be we don't want to be confused as to what charity, charity is supernatural love. So we're able to love, we're able to love God, we're able to love our brothers and sisters if we're baptized and then we allow these virtues to be activated by by operating them, by putting them into practice. So there is the there is the vertical dimension, our love for God. We go up. Then there's the horizontal, our love for our brothers and sisters. So the vertical, you go up. The horizontal, you go out. St. Thomas Aquinas says, charity, charity, charity is willing the good of the other. Charity is the willing the good of the other. What is the greatest love you can show for any person that you know? Is you look at the cross, right, Richard? But the greatest thing we can do to show our love for others is to bring them closer to Christ and to bring them to heaven. If you love your children, if you really love your children, what you want more than anything else is for them to go to heaven. Amen? Amen. You hear me? You really love them, okay? Getting a good college degree and this and that, okay, fine. That's secondary. What's most important is if I love the person, 
I want to bring that person to heaven. So I've told this story before. A year ago, uh, my mother got very sick. So I got in a plane and I, I flew 3,000 miles. I mean, that's the other, car, other part of the world, New Hampshire, no? And you know what? It looked like she was about to go. So I went, and what did I do? I greet her. There, she's she's in bed there, very sick. I when I hear a confession, I give her the anointing of the sick. I give her the apostolic blessing. I give her holy communion. Me and my older brother would pray the rosary in the chapel of my mercy. After that, she said, "Son, I'm ready to go now." <laughs> but she didn't go because God wants her to stick around. But that was my way of showing my love for my mother. That's the way to show love. Because I was, I was doing all I possibly could. Confession, anointing the sick, apostolic pardon, which means plenary indulgence, holy communion. Me and my brother came together, we prayed the rosary, then the chapel to my mercy. Could it be better? But the Lord want, wants her to stick around, probably to pray for me. So that's charity. Is willing the good of the other. Is willing the good of the other. Okay, let's uh, let's move in, move on in our, our litany of thanksgiving. So let's go from let's go from the uh, theological virtues to what are called the moral virtues or the cardinal virtues. Now, unless you've gone to Ave Maria or Steubenville, you probably don't remember these. But I'm sure Nayeli would be able to give us an eloquent discourse on this, right? <laughs> the moral, the moral or cardinal virtues are four, and we, as seminarians, we do we do semesters on these moral virtues or cardinal virtues. They're called hinge virtues on which the other virtues flow. And the first would be that of justice. Justice. Justice is giving to each his due. Children understand this. So we've got some children here with their parents. I wonder if the parents ever heard your kids say this. You've got more than one sibling... That's not fair. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Not yet. <laughs> Did you ever hear that? That's not fair, Tony. You all hear it. Children have a very acute, keen sense of justice. They do. Right, Patricia? Yeah. So, so justice is giving to the person what he deserves, and then temperance. You would say temperance. Temperance, what is that? That's the moderate use of created goods. Thomas Aquinas. The moderate use. Using things in moderation. Not too much, not too little. And temperance is able to control our body and not allow our body to control us. So temperance allows us, helps us to not to eat too much tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. 
to control our sexual appetites, to direct that sexual energy toward the procreation of children in the context of marriage. Yes. It's proper use of our body where we get enough exercise and we get enough rest. All this is temperance. <laughs> of course, it has to be cultivated. You don't cultivate it, then you become you become a slave to your passions. Yep. We we allow the animal to dominate, and as Paul says, the flesh is against the spirit, and the spirit is against the flesh. That's the virtue of temperance. Then you have the virtue of prudence. And the prudence is the art of decision making, which is perfected by the, the gift of the Spirit called counsel. Okay? The art of decision making. We all have to make decisions, right? Hello? Yes. So prudence, especially parents that got children, you got your daughters that you have to help them to make the right decisions in their life. Their career, maybe they're going to get married one day, make sure that they make the wrong, the right decision. Otherwise, we say, we say in New York, they're up the creek, they're burnt. <laughs> you don't want to make wrong decisions. That's prudence. And then fortitude. Fortitude. Did any of you go to Mass today? I can't hear you. Okay, Mass today was all related to martyrdom and fortitude. Right? Cecilia, St. Cecilia, and that passage of the Maccabees, I don't know, I almost fall off the chair when I listen to that. that, that, The passage today is one of the most powerful passages in 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 the Bible. A mother encouraging her seven sons to be tortured rather than eat a piece of bacon (laughs) with a bit of pork. That's fortitude, isn't it? That's real fortitude. This was even before the coming of Christ. This was before the church. This was before the Eucharist was instituted. They still had the power to do that because they had the Holy Spirit. They had the Holy Spirit, yeah? You know, one that's Maccabees chapter 6 was Eliezer yesterday, and today's Maccabees 2 chapter 7. All those are, all these are, are gifts we receive in the moment of baptism. Shouldn't we thank God for these gifts? Hello? Anyone home? Boy, we should thank God for these gifts. So, right now, I'm going to give you I'm going to give you seven different gifts and we're going to move we're going to move in quickly. Okay, so you've got enough space there, right? Okay, you're going to be writing down these are gifts. They're called the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> these gifts you receive in the moment. Most people think you receive those when you receive confirmation. That's Theologically erroneous. Once you had to correct a priest that said that. And said, no. You know, they're, they're fortified, the gifts. But once you're baptized, you receive the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? No, Padre. Well, now you know. Okay? Probably most of you didn't know that. No, you, 
or confirmation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not baptism. And then confirmation, you fortify them, okay? Strengthen them. What are they? Write them down. Wisdom. Okay. Wisdom. And write knowledge. Understanding. Now, according to St. Thomas Aquinas, those three gifts perfect your intellect. You want to be intelligent. Okay? You want to use your head, your head well. Okay? Those three gifts, they perfect, they perfect your intellect. How many, how many students, before they take exams, they pray the Holy Spirit? Very few. You really should. You'd be surprised how many insights, how your mind becomes enlightened when you rely more on the Holy Spirit. So, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. Then the next one is counsel, which connects the intellect to the will. <laughs> so, counsel, it, it connects. It connects the intellect, your intellect, to your will. And then the last three are the gifts that perfect your will or your heart. And that would be the gift of fortitude. So you've got the moral virtue of fortitude, and then you have the gift of the Holy Spirit fortitude. And guess what perfects the guess what perfects the moral virtue of fortitude would be the gift of the Holy Spirit fortitude. Logical, huh? <laughs> and then you have it's called it's called piety. And then, what, what, what is piety? Recognizing that God is our loving Father and all of us are brothers and sisters. That's what piety is. God is our loving Father and if He's loving Father, all of us are brothers and sisters and that means we have to live out the greatest commandment of Jesus Love one another as I've loved you. It's all connected. Love one another as I've loved you. And the last would be that of fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord. All right. Finally, it would be this. Once... You're baptized also, you become a son or daughter of Holy Mother Church, but also you become a son and daughter of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a Mama Mary, okay? You become members of the mystical body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the church, we're the members, and Mary is the mother of the church. Amen? Amen. So, was this helpful? So you want to, you've got enough material. Thank God for the natural gifts. Now thanking God for all the supernatural gifts. So let us cultivate an attitude of gratitude. And may the prayer of the psalmist resound in our hearts. And that is, give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's ask Blessed Mother to give us a grateful heart. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among men. 
Bless the food of our Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners now at the hour. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's thank Father Ed. Thank you, Father. I forgot to mention this.